0: Chapter Fifty Eight of Malcolm by George Macdonald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Devora Allen. Chapter Fifty Eight, Malcolm and Mrs Stewart. When her parents discovered that Feemy was not in her garret, it occasioned them no anxiety. When they had also discovered that neither was the laird in his loft, and were naturally seized with the dread that some evil had befallen him his hitherto invariable habit having been to house himself with the first gleam of returning day, they supposed that Feemy, finding he had not returned, had set out to look for him. As the day wore on, however, without her appearing, they began to be a little uneasy about her as well. Still, the two might be together, and the explanation of their absence a very simple and satisfactory one. For a time, therefore, they refused to admit importunate disquiet, but before night anxiety, like the slow but persistent waters of a flood, had insinuated itself through their whole being, nor theirs alone, but had so mastered and possessed the whole village that at length all employment was deserted, and every person capable joined in a search along the coast, fearing to find their bodies at the foot of some cliff. The report spread to the neighboring villages. In Port Lossie Duncan went round with his pipes, arousing attention by a brief blast and then crying the loss at every corner as soon as malcolm heard of it he hurried to find joseph but the only explanation of their absence he was prepared to suggest was one that had already occurred to almost everybody that the laird namely had been captured by the emissaries of his mother and that to provide against a rescue they had carried off his companion with him on which supposition there was every probability that, within a few days, at farthest, Feemy would be restored unhurt. "'There can be little doubt they ha' gotten a grip o' him at last, poor fellow,' said Joseph. "'But whatever's come to limb, we canna sit down and ate our meat on Kent Ho' Femi's poor wee lamb. You maun just hold away or to kirkbyers, Malcolm, and get word o' your mither, and see can anything can be made out o' her.' The proposal fell on Malcolm like great billow, Blue Peter," he said, looking him in the face. "I took it as a mark o yer friendship that ye never spake the word to me. What right has any man to call that woman my mither? I had never allowed it. I'm thinking,' returned Joseph, the more easily nettled that his horizon also was full of trouble. "Your word upon the mater will not gang so far as John o' Groats. You'll no be so paint for your witness upon the pint. I would as soon gang a mile into the mouth o' Hell as gang to Kirkbyers," said Malcolm. "'I have my answer,' said Peter, and turned away. "'But I saw gang,' Malcolm went on, "'the thing at Monby can be. "'Only I tell ye this, Peter,' he added, "'gin' ever ye say sic a word's yon in my hearin again, "'that is afore the woman has proven herself what she says, "'I sa' gang by ye ever after unspoken, "'for I'll ken it ye want na' mere o' me.'" Joseph, who had been standing with his back to his friend, turned and held out his hand. Malcolm took it. A question afore again, Peter, he said. What for dinna ye tell me what folk was saying about me, and Aunt Lizzie Finley? Cause I dinna believe a word of it, and I wasn't a gun to add to your troubles. Lizzie never mooted such a thing? Never I was sure of that. No I'll away to Kirkbyers, God help me. I would rather face Sutton and his muckle tyke. But dinna ye expect any news. Gin yon one kens, she's all the sure of not to tell. ONLY ye SA SAY I DIDN'T DO MY BEST FOR ye. It was the hardest trial of the will Malcolm had yet had to encounter. Trials of submission he had had, intolerably severe ones. But to go and do what the whole feeling recoils from is to be weighed only against abstinence from what the whole feeling urges towards. He walked determinedly home. Stoat saddled a horse for him while he changed his dress, and once more he set out for Kirkbyers. "'Had Malcolm been at the time capable of attempting an analysis of his feeling towards Mrs. Stewart, he would have found it very difficult to effect. Satisfied as he was of the untruthful, even cruel nature of the woman who claimed him, and conscious of a strong repugnance to any nearer approach between them, he was yet aware of a certain indescribable fascination in her. This, however, only caused him to recoil from her the more.' partly from dread lest it might spring from the relation asserted, and partly that, whatever might be its root, it wrought upon him, in a manner he scarcely disliked the less, that it certainly had nothing to do with the filial. But his feelings were too many and too active to admit of the analysis of any one of them, and ere he reached the house his mood had grown fierce. He was shown into a room where the fire had not been many minutes lighted. It had long, narrow windows— over which the ivy had grown so thick that he was in it some moments ere he saw through the dusk that it was a library. Not half the size of that at Lossie House, but far more ancient, and, although evidently neglected, more study-like. A few minutes passed, then the door softly opened, and Mrs. Stewart glided swiftly across the floor with outstretched arms. At last, she said, and would have clasped him to her bosom. But Malcolm stepped back. Na, na, mem," he said. "It takes two to that." Malcolm," she exclaimed, her voice trembling with emotion of some kind. "Ye may call me your son, mem, but I ken na ground yet for callin' you my." He could not say the word. "That is very true, Malcolm," she returned gently. "But this interview is not of my seeking. I wish to precipitate nothing. So long as there is a single link." or half a link even, missing from the chain of which one end hangs at my heart. She paused, with her hand on her bosom, apparently to suppress rising emotion. Had she had the sentence ready for use? I will not subject myself, she went on, to such treatment as it seems I must look for from you. It is hard to lose a son, but it is harder yet to find him again after he has utterly ceased to be one. Here she put her handkerchief to her eyes. "'Till the matter is settled, however,' she resumed, "'let us be friends, or at least not enemies. "'What did you come for now? "'Not to insult me, surely. "'Is there anything I can do for you?' Malcolm felt the dignity of her behaviour, but not the less, after his own straightforward manner, answered her question to the point. "'I came about nothing concerning mysail, ma'am. "'I came to see whether you can't anythin' about Femi Mare.' "'Is it a what? I don't even know who she is. "'You don't mean the young woman that—' "'Why do you come to me about her? Who is she?' Malcolm hesitated a moment. "'If she really did not know what he meant, "'was there any risk in telling her? "'But he saw none. "'Who is she, mem?' he returned. whiles think she maun be the laird's good angel.' Though in shape she's but a wee bit lassie, she makes up for a heap to the laird. Him and her mem, they've disappeared together. Nobody kens swear. Mrs Stewart laughed a low, unpleasant laugh, but made no other reply. Malcolm went on, and it's not to be wondered at. Gin folk will hae to ye mon ken something about it, mem. I know nothing whatever. She returned emphatically. Believe me or not, as you please. She added with heightened colour. "'If I did know anything,' she went on, with apparent truthfulness, "'I don't know that I should feel bound to tell it. "'As it is, however, I can only say I know nothing of either of them. "'That I do say most solemnly.' "'Malcolm turned, satisfied at least, that he could learn no more. "'You are not going to leave me so,' the lady said, "'and her face grew sad as sad could be. "'There's nothing mad atween us, mem,' answered Malcolm, "'without turning even his face. "'You will be sorry for treating me so some day.' "'Well then, mem, I will be. "'But that day is not the day.' "'Think what you could do for your poor witless brother if—' "'Mem,' interrupted Malcolm, "'turning right round and drawing himself up in anger. "'Prove it I'm your son, "'and that minute I spear at you who is my father.' "'Mrs. Stewart changed colour. "'Neither with the blush of innocence— nor with the pallor of guilt, but with the gray of mingled rage and hatred. She took a step forward with the quick movement of a snake about to strike, but stopped midway and stood looking at him with glittering eyes, teeth clenched and lips half open. Malcolm returned her gaze for a moment or two. "'Ye never was the mither. Whoever was the father of me,' he said, and walked out of the room." He had scarcely reached the door when he heard a heavy fall, and, looking round, saw the lady lying motionless on the floor. Thoroughly on his guard, however, and fearful both of her hatred and her blandishments, he only made the more haste downstairs, where he found a maid and sent her to attend to her mistress. In a minute he was mounted and trotting fast home, considerably happier than before, inasmuch as he was now almost beyond doubt convinced that Mrs. Stewart was not his mother." End of chapter 58